Welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So Farscape. Farscape. Yes. Part two, baby. Liars, guns, and... Mach- and- machines, pistols? No, wait. <laughs> Liars, guns, and money. Par deux. Like in hot shots. With friends like these. Yes. And okay. the story so far, Scape, is... Oh, yes, very good. Jothy, who is Dargo's son, has been spotted by Stark, who has made a mysterious recovery. And we actually learn why he's so keen on uh, getting Jothy freed, because it turns out that a lot of his people are also being sold in the same lot of slaves as... Yes. Uh, Dargo's son, but in order to uh, gain the monies, they are uh, working on a bank heist to get into a, uh, a dark deposit, I believe it's called, or something like that. A shadow depository? Wow, well, you're doing really well. Only illegal money is kept there. They uh, manage to uh, pull off the bank heist, but at the same time, Scorpius shows up, and it turns out that, yes. they're doing, that they are uh, stealing Scorpius's money, or actually, yes. Wait, Money oh, intended no. for Scorpius, yes. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, things yeah. go wrong. Uh, of course, this is far yes, Of course, because it all goes wrong. Turns out that the money is actually like little leggy things who are uh, going to like creep around Moya. Yeah, we saw that at the end of the the, the last episode. They the sort of legs unfolded, and these little. I mean, they sort of look like they came out of Robot Wars. Yeah, do you know I, see what I, mean? where you, got, I see where you're coming from, yeah. Uh, we've got all these shots of, like, over the shoulder of one of these little, they're called Karak Metalites. Karak Metalites. Mm. And they're multi-legged creatures that uh, consume metal with this corrosive fluid. Yes. Okay, so... Sneaky, sneaky. Your prediction that the last four episodes of season two would together be Liars, Guns and Money has at least not been disproven. No. Because this is the continuation from last week and it ended with to be continued. Yes. So you're in with a shot. Got at least three for four. So we'll see about uh, if it's going to be four for four for at the end of next week's episode. Yeah. But we are not there yet. No, but we can approach this from the perspective, okay, whether it's the second of three or the second of four, it is a middle chapter. Yes. And we've had one middle chapter before, kind of. That was in mm-hmm. The Look of the Princess, which was, yeah. a, which was a trilogy. And that one, as we mentioned, was originally like a two-parter. That was, uh, that was later, like, padded out, padded out yeah. a little bit because they went so far over time and they had to cut so much that they'd already filmed. Well, we'll just pad it out a little bit. We'll just film a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why it has such, such weird uh, uh, a number sequence in the sort of production number. Oh, but yeah. this one was designed as a multi-parter. Yeah, yeah. See, gonna... <laughs> and so I think they did a really good job with this as a middle chapter. Yes. Nothing really gets resolved. Everything gets escalated. A little bit more complexity is added. But as a consequence, it's actually a pretty hard episode to follow. I mean, plans are made and then abandoned, uh, but we'll see how that pans out. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like... I mean, okay, my first note is crazy plan going to happen. You know, that's literally <laughs> my f- the first note I made in the first minutes of watch- starting to watch this episode. <laughs> well done. Let's Hey, let's do some synopses. Let's see how, uh, how our fantastic listeners uh, describe this. If you want to submit a synopsis of your own for an upcoming episode, you can go to sofarscape.com slash submit, and there's a handy-dandy form for you there. Yes. Uh, Lucy says, a dangerous mission causes the crew of Moya to create their own suicide squad. <laughs> Ocean's 12 wasn't very good. However, in this episode, the crew teams up with Farscape's greatest hits to enact a second heist. The crew learns that sometimes the only way to get rid of bedbugs is to burn the house down, and Crichton admits he's not as good of a chess player as he thought he was. Thanks, Wookie. 
Old foes make strange bedfellows when the crew sets up for the great bank robbery. Will they be able to work together to pull it off? Thank you, Billy Roberts. Oh, Jenna, a single mother gets burned by fool's gold during a game of This Is Your Life. Wow. That's a good one, yes. That's really compact as well. And uh, Eunice, a.k.a. Felicity Black, a.k.a. Chris, says Colonel Sanders deposits his secret recipe with a new queen of mean who plays all the games. Marbles, (laughs) bait and switch, squeeze the lemon, hide the sausage, and Lord knows what else. Wow, yeah. Okay, so I uh, oh music, music. Yeah. Okay. Before we get into the into the super duper episode, I have a proposal for how to tackle this. Yes. And I think we should take it apart in threads again. Okay. Because there's a major thread that is about Dargo wanting to be reunited with the son. Jothy, where are you, boy? That's mm-hmm. one. And then there's. Four threads of like fulfilling Crichton's plan by getting some allies. Yes, and then there's number five, which is Moya is suffering from these. Moya's in danger. Yes, yeah. So I have a feeling that if we sort of go beat by beat through the episode, we'll just completely lose the plot. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, that uh, makes sense. And and miss out. So I think maybe it's smartest to start with this plan of Crichton's. Yes. Because that's sort of motivated by Dargo wants to find his son. He's frustrated that he hasn't found his son. And he's still lashing out at everyone when it, they finally arrive at the slave auction. The Kratin or the Katin or Katin Mines, depending on yes. who says it. Katin Mines. Katin Mines. Katin Mines. Where they want to use their newfound wealth to buy these slaves. But the, the slaver with a really weird mode of speech. Yes. Apologies. Got Kesha for unavailable. He sort of talks like, oh, he sort of talks like a halogen almost. I suppose, yeah. Right, like a Skeksis. Yeah. Says that they've already been purchased by a third party. Special. We missed the auction. No, it was a special order. Someone paid triple the asking price and they're already gone. But we have other slaves available. But who could have done this? Who purchased that lot? Tell me. And then they play a recording for him of Scorpius gloating. John. As recordings are so sadly impersonal, I'll have to imagine what your face looks like now. Edged with failure, I expect. He did a lot of gloating, also towards the end of the episode. Yeah, that's kind of a Scorpius thing, isn't it? Scorpius says, like, hi, uh, so, so sorry, I can't tell you this in person because I would have loved to see the expression on your face. <laughs> yeah. but, Edged with failure, I imagine. But, you know, I'll trade Jothy for John. Dargo freaks out. He rips one of the control panels out of the command and yes. tosses it. I noticed it already started sparking before he ripped it off, but, you know, it's... Pilot is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, re- the DRDs had reinstalled all the uh, emergency simulation bangers, so... Yeah. And Dargo has a bit of a hard moment, because he was, like, as he confesses to Chiana only shortly afterwards, yeah. that he was, like, like, right there, willing to give up John. Proved by crime. I was ready to take Crichton by force and deliver him to Scorpius. It was all I could do to stop myself. Willing to knock him over and he's so ashamed of it, but he, he can't fully process it. Like, she, she admonishes him, like, Crichton is your friend. Jothi is my blood, he's my child. Yeah, I can see that it would be a very hard choice for Dargo. It's like, okay, I mean, loyalty towards a friend and a companion or, you know, his son. It's like, oof. Exemplified when he uh, uh, he sees a vision of his son. Yeah, you're pathetic. 
somehow already imagining Jothi in the clothes with which he will eventually arrive, maybe? Right, but I, I, I did notice that there were some differences between him here and uh, there. He already has that scar on his face, but it seems to be a lot worse when he's, like, uh, around in person. It seems to be fresher and... yeah. Actually, he saw that scar on the photo that Stark so. gave him. Yeah. But he was wearing a sort of pastel-colored outfit rather than the, the sort of refugee hood that he's uh, this wearing here. So this part of the plot escalates over the course of the episode because the lot of slaves is on its way to Scorpius's Gamak base. Yep. That's what Crichton has, uh, has figured out. Uh, no, not to the Gamak base. Uh, sorry, no, you're to right. The, right. Uh, the to shadow the deposit. Shadow deposit, yeah. Yep, you're right. Which I guess is... They had built the sets for that and wanted to get a lot of I use out of it. I suppose it makes sense. I mean... You know, you'd think otherwise he'd go back to his command carrier. You'd think, but... Yeah. Or he'd fly that towards the... Uh, right, to Towards the, the slavery place. or Because he does want to get it... Uh, this, this, he wants Joffrey... Uh, Joffrey, no, not jo- Joffrey, Joffrey, not Joffrey. come on. <laughs> Joffrey is King of Thrones. Um, yeah, he Game wants... Of Thrones. Yet he was a king in Game of Thrones, yeah. Yes, sort of, that's what I mean, yeah. He wants Jothi as quickly as possible. He doesn't want Crichton to be able to formulate a plan. So he sends a marauder over to go get him. Dispatch a marauder to the freighter. And have the Luxon son returned here at maximum speed. And he's really snippy, is Scorpius, yes. at this point. Everyone that tries to give him bad news or tries to admonish him, which is mostly Bracca and Akor. I kind of like that the sort of lieutenants of Natira and Scorpius, they seem to get on well. Like, they spend a lot of time just hanging around together, waiting to be interrupted by Scorpius. <laughs> uh, I guess that's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's what you get used to, I suppose. Uh-huh. Later in the episode, there is a horrifying moment when Stark freaks out because he senses that the 9,999 Bannocks... I mean, they didn't say it's all Bannocks, but there are many, many Bannocks are among the slaves. And much like Obi-Wan, who senses a million voices crying out and then going silent. Go, dead, all dead, all dead. I failed them. What are you talking about? The Bannocks. They're gone. Which I don't quite understand, because, like, Scorpius has a discussion with Natira about what to do with the slaves and, like, oh, recuperate losses and everything like that. Natira did spend a great deal to acquire them. We could accept the surplus and resell them individually to recoup our losses. You mean your losses? A poor choice of words. I hardly consider it a loss. And it seems that they're going to, like, just have them sell them again. Yeah. And yet there's the implication that, part, that they've all been uh, killed all of a sudden. Agreed. Uh, especially because it, it's not clear whether it happens in transit or what happens. But, yeah, Jothi is separated, but all the other Bannocks are, like, their space. Apparently they're executed. Killed, yeah. It happens off screen. We don't, even, we don't even learn the motivation. No. They were apparently to be given to Natira, but whether they were killed before or after, we just don't learn. But... Hey, it's a jam-packed episode. There's a really cool sort of interrogation. Uh, Scorpy approaches Jothi. Car Jothi, is it? Yeah. Strangely sympathetic, right? He's, mm. he's sort of oddly kind of well, grooming him for militarization. Like, who do you hate more? The peacekeeper part of your heritage or your... I mean, he's doing a lot of projection there, I think. And, and Atir is helping him. Like, uh, uh, Jothi freaks out at the sight of uh, Scorpius. What the frell are you? Yeah. Some kind of mutant? His mother was a Sebation. She was raped by a Scarron. Did your Luxon father <laughs> rape your mother as well? Yeah. Like, whoa! Whoa! 
And and Jothi is so like calm through it. He yes, has very much so. Very bright eyes. Jothi's actually much kinder than the uh, Phantom Jothi, I suppose, because like, the Phantom Jothi is just uh, Dargo's guilt project, uh, projecting on himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, you can always tell a vision by the fact that they're sort of persecutory, yes. right? Or hallucinations, I should say. And this arc of the plot resolves where at the end of the episode. All of Crichton's plans have not resulted in being able to get Jothi back and not even having any hope of getting him back. And John slinks off quietly, much to Darko and Aaron's consternation. So right. when his transport pod returns at the end of the episode, they're ready to read him the riot act. But Jothi walks out yeah. because it turns out that which John... Is, which is, again, another twist, I suppose, because like, we literally don't see anything of that happening. It's, yep. it's just like at a, towards the... Uh, there's a scene when they've gathered the, uh, the, well, the suicide squad, as it, was so, 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 <laughs> yeah. as it was so succinctly put, and they're realizing that the plans are uh, not working uh, because Jothi is firmly in the hands of Scorpius and they have no hopes to actually attack the base. Suddenly, John has disappeared. Yeah, it's like they're going like, "Oh, what happened to John?" Uh, and he's already coming back, and that's when it turns out that Jothi's on board. You see a sort of foreshadowing line that Crichton says when they're walking through the damaged parts of Moya, yeah. and they say, "We have no hope of Jothi coming, uh, being brought back." And Crichton, you see the look of resolute determination in his eyes. Scorpius is going to kill Jothi. No, he won't. As he goes off and sacrifices himself. Yes, he tells Scorpius, "You win." As if there was ever any doubt. God, he was creepy. He's walking around Crichton, laying his hands on him. Like, yes. It's so intimate. But it's interesting how he goes, he says, like, you win, but he, he almost like makes it sound like, okay, I want you out of my head and you want the information, make it happen. It's like yep. almost like he's in any position to make any deals anymore at this point. But it's interesting that he thinks that he still might have something up his sleeve. Which I'm suspecting there might be, but you know, I wouldn't know what, but I've got my... Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's entirely fair. I mean, this is, like, there is a lot happening off screen. I really admire... Oh, this was another uh, uh, Narain Shankar mm-hmm. uh, uh, written episode. I really admire how he managed to juggle all these complicated plots together in a way that is much more cohesive than I think we'd be able to do if we did it one at a time. Mm. So the meat and potatoes of the episode is Crichton's plan, where he at, gathers everyone together and he says, okay... We have a bunch of money. We clearly can't use it to buy the slaves anymore, but we can get Jothi back. Jothi is still in transit. He won't get to the depository for a couple of solar days. How can you be sure he's going to the depository? I know how Scorpius thinks. We have some time. We can get some allies, and we can raid the Shadow Depository, kill Scorpius, because I think that's yeah, still his primary motivation. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. still wants Scorpius well and truly dead. And rescue Jothi. So we need four things. Item one, we need a blood tracker. The Volcarians, they're the ones who tortured me. Because they'll yeah. be able to sniff out uh, a half Luxon uh, wherever he's got, wherever Scorpius has him stashed. Yep. Item two, we're going to have to pound our way into the depository. For that, we need a Xiang. Whose fire breath can blast through metal walls. I mean, I guess you'd need that to go fighting around the uh, shadow depository. Yeah, right. To, to, to make it through those security doors that previously they had Stark opening for them, but mm-hmm. that probably won't work again. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hey, that was really well explained. While Stark was hacking the doors, that's when Scorpius was hacking him back and gained the information about Jothic. Yes. At least that's Cunning. presumed to have occurred. Yes. They also need uh, a tabloid. Tablek. 
Which is like a really big throwback to right at the beginning. That's like episode three or four. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, thrown for a loss. The guys with the drug gauntlets, which are... uh, Yeah, the f***ed up faces. Oh, yeah, that too. Yes, the space orcs, basically. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, the cosplaying (laughs) in a little Mad Max village. And lastly, Zenitan pirates for the Flax. Flax what? An electrostatic scan. It instantly disables ships. That they can use to incapacitate ships with and presumably capture the freighter that is being used to... Oh, is that what it is? Well, I mean, later they say that they want to use it to cover their escape when they when they leave the Gamak base. Oh, that so, makes us work. I mean, hey, uh, shout out to Bosdry. Now you sorry, did it. Yeah, sorry, sorry I've bad. got you doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's greatest hits, baby. We've got the Flax, uh, season one, episode 13, Vorkarian Blood Trackers, season one, episode... 10 or 11 till the blood runs clear the Shiyang from PK Tech Girl and the Tavlex from uh, uh, Throne for a Lost <laughs> okay no I deserve that one uh, from Throne for a Lost it really is like the greatest hits and so this was also a great opportunity for me to break out the uh, uh, Farsca- the Creatures of Farscape book mm-hmm. which was hey, funded thanks to our Patreon subscribers yes. thank you so much they allow us to buy these weird books to do more research into the past and uh, present of Farscape it's so well not much of the present it's well. not currently airing spoilers <laughs> but uh, we live in eternal hope oh thank you to our newest subscriber by the way our newest patron Matt Matthew, who I think has retroactively helped down here. So it was an opportunity to sort of look at these early designs from season one. Oh. We've got a we've got a sort of maquette of the cast of the Tavlek boy that mm-hmm. came aboard. Quite respectable for your age. And we have a close-up of Bakesh, <laughs> played by uh, John Adams, who while he was being fitted with this helmet that does not allow him to see except through like one little bullet hole which he absolutely hated and then Dave Elsie while he was fitting him with these prosthetics said okay now if you ever come back on Farscape I promise I'll give you eyes but then he did come back and he still but he uh, had to play the same character again yep he wound up later coming back playing another eyeless alien and then another mechanical. <laughs> like every time, I'm so sorry, well, but you promised, Dave. I think they actually put some extra holes in his uh, visor, so that it looks yes. like there's more. Uh, it's a little bit more damaged than it is in these photos. So it looks like yeah. he has more, uh, more than one little peak hole to look out through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They added more scarring to it and also gave him like a, a jaw sort of yes. brace. It's been hinged up. Oh yeah, yeah, little piston things which help his uh, yeah. jaw move up and down. I suppose. Ooh. Yeah, sort of bringing it back to closer to like original design, the early designs that they'd actually built, their faces were being held together by staples. Yes. And like the day of shooting, I think it was like Brian Henson kind of nixed those staples. Let's take those out. This is getting awfully horrifying for what I thought was going to be a space adventure show. Yeah, well. Speaking of going back to the originals, the Xiang had to be rebuilt. Oh, yeah. Because apparently those animatronics weren't uh, were stored or whatever. I was wondering about that, like especially with the prosthetics and everything like that. They tend to degrade presumably quite quickly. Uh, you know, I've seen like old latex models of uh, various movie props and they tend, right. to, they tend to fall apart. Yeah, they tend to keep the sort of molds like uh, yeah. like like face cast or body casts. Those are precious, but like recasting those that you you usually want to use like new materials. Yeah, that makes sense. 
For the Xiangs, they went a bit back. You can see here one of the original like sketches for the Xiang. Yes, they went much more uh, with the ar- the spacesuit armor type thing that he was wearing in this episode. Yes, yeah, sort of bringing back the original look and with the, the cooling suits that they'd invented for these creatures. Now, the Vorkarians, which we have here as well, like, I didn't think they look as good this episode, and that turns out... They seem to... They've got a little bit more makeup and... More makeup and ha- less... Yeah. More facial hair. It's because they weren't using that hot flesh material yeah. that Elsina's team experimented with. That was introduced with the Vorkarians in season one. Yeah. But for their return in season two, because there was just so much makeup to do, they sort of simplified that and went for foam latex. Oh, right. And then had the rest of these creatures done up by the wardrobe department. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they yeah. were just like their outfits were pretty wardrobe heavy, long shabby coats. But it's, it seemed like their faces were a little bit hairier than they were in the past as well. The hot flesh looked great. It was sort of a step up from foam latex to the silicone that's uh, mm. that's used nowadays. So they split up. Three spacecraft leave Moya: mm-hmm. uh, a transport, a prowler, and a space shuttle. The module, yeah. And the yeah, John's little rocket. I love my module. Now fitted with Moya type engines. Propulsor, they're yes. called, yeah. And they're heading off to recruit. And let's start with Erin. She goes off to recruit uh, a Xiang. Attention, Xiang vessel. This is not a hostile approach. There, I have an opportunity for profit. And she boards this ship, which is falling apart. It's clearly been through an attack, and she finds one tap. Xiang, who is like he's covered in goop, which I guess is his blood. Everything's falling apart. And she sort of bullies him for a little bit because he says he's interested in uh, in joining up after he reveals that they were attacked it was completely unprovoked all of his crew and she's like yeah unprovoked <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and where's the rest of your crew abandoned ship in evacuation pods with he stayed behind to guard as commander of the ship. As he should, yes. Yeah, because we know this as uh, as Turak. He was the leader of the Xiang in, uh, in PK Tech Girl. There is no shame in losing to a clever opponent. How they find this exact Xiang is not revealed, nor... No, nor how everybody is just like... In convenient day's- transport pod range uh, right. of, the, of where Moya just happens to be now. Hey, but I mean, if we're going to sort of... Hand wave. Let's I mean, go with it. There yeah. is a li- there's actually a line where Pilot says that he and Moya have been uh, trying to map as much of the uncharted uh, regions as they can since they've been moving around there. Yeah, that's true. Not so uncharted anymore. No. But still, like, knowing where things are doesn't make them any closer, usually. Maybe there's no. some weird spacey wacy navigation. Maybe that, that really is the case. Oh, well, that would... No, but wait, hold on. Maybe if something, I don't know, maybe it's like nonlinear acceleration or whatever, that the hard part of finding a destination is like pinpointing it. Mm -hmm. That actually traveling the distance is relatively easy. But when you get to somewhere where you don't know exactly where it is, you have to spend like 18 days sort of spiraling around until you find the actual planet. Okay, yeah, I can go with that. Oh, thank you. You're being, you're being uncommonly generous. <laughs> Look, I'm, normally you'd have pulled out your Kerbal Space Program hat by now. And <sighs> that doesn't do with interplanetary travel. Oh, sorry, interstellar travel. Yet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Kerbal Space Program, the next generation. Here we go. Turak insists that he does have it in him. <laughs> Belches out a fireball. Which doesn't impress Aaron. Aaron. She goes, look, I've seen bigger. It's like, oh, I, can be do, I can do bigger. It's like, he kind of really wants in. Yeah, yeah. This is the extent of the Xiang arc. Meanwhile, John is off recruiting a Tavlek with a gauntlet. But He's uh, found the Lord and he's now uh, yeah. 
trying to uh, pull us on. Meditating over the writings of some priest that he executed a while ago. The writ of Taru. And it's interesting that you say pulling Azan, because it's not uh, Kir, which was the boy that Zan sort of ministered to. Like, it's not him. It's the commander. Yeah, Bakesh with the chrome dome. Take this royal pain out of my sight. Who is trying to atone from for a life of violence through calm, and he's sitting there praying. It's sort of like, oh, was it Rambo or Rambo Two, where he's living with uh, 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 the late the natives? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of unclear what he's doing, but yeah, John tries to talk him into uh, coming back, and I want the glove. There's a lot of talk about how he really just wants the glove and he doesn't really want Bekesh himself. But Bekesh won't even uh, agree to that because... The writ of Taru says allowing another to inflict harm is an act of violence itself. But fortunately, he starts jonesing for his glove juice. Yeah, so this must be recent. I guess, yeah. You know, if you start collapsing within one day of giving up your addiction, you can't. he can't have done it for very long. Although... John is a real nag. Pretty soon you're going to start jonesing for that. I'm not leaving here with Taru Bakataru. Taru Bakataru. All the time in the world. Oh, totally. Sort of hovering around and like poking him in the neck. Do you want your your juice yet? Do you want your juice yet? Where is it? You jonesing? Jonesing? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, he's got him. He's got him in handcuffs and just basically sitting there in in the middle of these piles of stones, which, tempting him, just sitting around, sort of smoking and drinking and shooting up heroin and like, oh, it feels so good, it feels so good, <laughs> feels good. Until finally, Bikesh glances at the pi- a particular pile of stones, at which John goes like, oh, that's where it is, and kicks over the stones, digs the glove out, goes like, I'll wear it. He goes like, no, you can't put that on; it'll kill you. You forget. I've worn a gauntlet before, remember? That was over a cycle ago. I've tripled the dose since then. And that's why he has to be brought along. Why should I trust you? You said there was currency in it for me. Lots of it. What about your great reformation? Well, it's easier to reform when you're rich. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate that. And then there's also the Vorkarians, which I thought it was interesting that Dargo's the one to, uh, to go and hunt them because they tortured him. Yes. They're the ones who tortured me. Tell us. Where are they? Right, they hunted him first, back in till the blood runs clear. But he doesn't seem to be holding a grudge, or at least he's willing to set it aside for the prospect of uh, getting Jothi back. We see them running through some uh, uh, some forests being chased. At first we think it's Dargo chasing them. But it turns out it's peacekeepers, who get efficiently dispatched by Dargo, who finally learned how to shoot his keyblade. Yeah, very impressive. Like, yeah. two shots, two kills... And then he raises it, come with me if you want to live. Yes, exactly. That's what... <laughs> and I loved this interaction between them. Because they, they go off to the cave. And, and like the first thing that Worf, I think is the male, says mm-hmm. uh, when he thinks that Dargo's there to kill them. Spare my female. Please. She bears my children. So it turns out she's pregnant and they were running from the peacekeepers because they noped out of a contract they had with them. <laughs> Only took half the money, which they seem to consider to be very generous of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, when Dargo makes his offer, uh, the male says, nope, and the female says, yes. Will you help me? Yes. Because Dargo helped them to save their children, future children. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, the f- she feels that they're uh, obligated to go help, help him. Help restore his child. child. Like, that yep. was 
That's some really strong motivation. Yeah, there. she says, I'll be safe here. This is like uh, the cave is hidden. He already killed our pursuers. So I'll be safe here and have the kids and uh, you go and uh, help him. That was really Plus lovely. money. Also money, yes. No, <laughs> you're right. That that sort of comes at the end. I was sort of overwhelmed with emotion and delight at this scene. And then, yeah, and also it's a lot of money. Yeah, okay, okay. But everybody does that. It's like, okay, they, everybody has another reason. And then goes like, oh, yeah, and the money. <laughs> yes. To the point where they're finally all together at the end aboard Moya, sort of arguing at each other and insulting each other. And the Volcarian is snapping at the Tavlek and the Sheings there as well calling them all, you're all traitors and mercenaries. And Chiana says, we're fucking all are. Yes, there's nobody on board the ship who is not. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yes, because it turns out that there's no money because the money has gone up and walked off and has been nibbling on Moya. Yes, because that's the uh, the other major plot, the metalites that were disguised as ingots, which we discover was a ploy by Natira to kill Scorpius. Scorpius. Yes, there's a lovely, well, I won't call it a lovely scene, but a fascinating scene where they are kind of like making out. I mean, she's like hanging back in her web know, chair. Uh, what did you think was happening? Because we get these close-ups and Scorpius yes. is snarling and he's strangling her and she's got her sort of crab claws with yes. spider legs on and her head. He, he takes one in his mouth and he starts to suckle on it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... Out pops his uh, uh, <laughs> heating element. Yes, he pops his rod. Yes. And his rod pops out. Sorry, that's yeah. how I should say it. His red rod pops out. <laughs> oh my God, it's worse. Because <laughs> normally it twists out, but now it just goes pop, and it just like sp- springs out, and he's like, there's a sigh of relief as if he's like reached some sort of climax. Yeah, and, and they sort of dismount, and they both light a cigarette, and, and she she like uh, replaces the red rod with a blue rod. And uh, apparently, this scene was originally filmed as more of a straight up sex scene. Yes, I mean it did feel like one. Right? But it was filmed as more sort of straight up and sensual. Yes. And uh, later on, apparently, Wayne Pygram was having dinner with Dave Elsie and sort of complaining, like, he felt it should have been weirder. Yeah. Like, he should have been sucking venom out of her tentacles. They should have been, like, snarling at each other. It should have been this huge BDSM fest. Right. And uh, that's what, what it feels like, yes. And then he came to the she, set the next day. Because he seems to be choking. He seems to be choking her. Yeah. And then he arrived on set to discover, oh, yeah, we're refilming that sex scene to make it, make it weirder. Yes! 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 <laughs> yes. And, and, and Pygram and Elsie sort of revealed what they discussed over, over Yamcha. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, we'll do that. That's weird. That's, yeah. That's really weird. But especially, yeah, the rot popping out is just like... And but, here we learn probably the most backstory that we've had. Because he talks to Natira as if it's someone that he's known for a long time. Yes, I mean, they clearly have known. And she admits that uh, she was going to try and kill them because you wouldn't have respected me otherwise if I hadn't. And it's kind of true. And it's like, oh, lucky for me that I got robbed then. There's a lot of backstory. Like, apparently, he was a young hothead that she took in and Mm. he protected her from the peacekeepers. Like, they go way, way back. Yes, they even, have uh, a relationship. Even talking about yeah. how his uh, coolant system is a lot more advanced than the original surgery. Not enough to prevent this Crichton from almost killing you. Why do you want him so badly? He destroyed my gamut base. Revenge? He's not a Scaron. You wouldn't waste your hatred on anything else. This is why I can't have you around. You know me too well. Without me... 
You'd still be the same angry, hot-headed young creature I took in so many cycles ago. Without me, your head, among other things, would be a trophy on the wall of Peacekeeper Command. <sighs> See? We were made for each other. Yeah, we learn a lot more about Scorpius. Well, not a lot more, but we learn more about Scorpius. And God, I love Natira is such a is such a vision in this whole thing. She sort of struts around with such grace. I mean, she's essentially naked, right? Yeah, she's just wearing her uh, her natural chitinous armor, but she's she strides around with such command, keeping Scorpius entertained. She even asks him. Does it still hurt as much as it used to? Oh, it's a sensation which is more complicated than pain or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was yeah. exactly <laughs> it. Oh, wow. I dug this. Like, I like alien sex. Let weird things be weird. And especially the sort of uh, uh, pillow talk where he's lying back with the rod sticking out of, of his, his head, out of his head yes. waiting for her to reinsert the, the new one. He's so calm about it. Oh, checking on our treasure? Or are you helping yourself? The way I see it, beating you to it. How dare you? Hmm, 50-50? All right, but just enough so no one notices. (laughs) It's always good to have a little something tucked away when our hazmana breaks loose. (laughs) Rigel is snooping around the ship uh, Ah, together with Chana because they both decided that they wanted, like... Steal a little bit of the uh, money that's lying around. She goes, like, "Shall we go halves? Yeah, but not steal too much. We don't want them to uh, the others to notice." They're still the same. They're still themselves. They're doing the same thing that they've they're done. They're still like Mungo like Jerry and Rumple Teaser, yes. who are like, <laughs> "Yes, this is like the fifth time that they've sort of snuck into somewhere to go and steal it, and then blame each other." Hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, beating you to the punch. It looks like. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually discovered that the money is gone. And that it's now critters who are moving around because Chana goes straight through the deck. Yep, gets uh, surrounded by these sort of scarab-like metal creatures, chases them off. They with the- kind of reminded me of the uh, bugs in Starship Troopers. You know, the spindly oh, legs and with the, yeah. with the bright color patterns. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. The very flat tops as well. Yep. The arachnids, I think they were called. Yeah. We get a lot of little, like, over-the-shoulder shots of these cracks, like, scurrying, scurrying about and yes. the sort of legs that don't quite touch the floor. But, well, good job. Good yeah, vibe. they spend a lot of time hunting around the ship. but Yeah, d- trying to, like, find one for uh, Zan to experiment on. Yes. Uh, to try and figure out how they're going to kill these things. Because they find the damage they've been doing. They've been attacking the, the, the ship with acid. Causing metal fatigue. It's a huge problem for Moya. And we see Chiana walking around with a giant goop gun. Her big spaff cannon, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It even makes a sound like that. It does. It, and she does get a bit of a facial uh, in splashback from it. a bit it. of a splashback. <laughs> God, yes. She, has, she soggy biscuits the, uh, the, the, the metal light against the wall. Gluing it up to the wall, yeah. And gets gooped in the face. It's this sort of, it looks like gunge. It's all purple-gray. You know, from like I thought it was more bluish, but yeah, it's like it basically it's like that slime stuff they use in the Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, exactly. In like kids' game shows yes. that you get dunked in. God, that stuff must be rancid, by <laughs> the way. Because you think about these game shows, right? And sometimes got like a goop pit that people get dumped in. Yeah, they don't replace the goop every episode. They probably film like five of these episodes in a day and then Something a solid like week. Yeah. And so imagine being one of the contestants toward the end that rancid five-day-old... Depends on what it is. Goop. Yeah. 
What do you think it is? I don't know. Probably some silico, uh, silica stuff. I don't know. Would that be safe to sort of swim around in and maybe ingest? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Well, maybe Probably. it's like water and starch or flour or something yeah. and food dye and equally as horrible. Yeah. But yes. After uh, Rigel does his little uh, less than helpfulness in, in this whole exploit, I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. a little bit of exploration when they finally catch one and Zahn uh, manages to uh, figure out that heat is the thing that can kill it, but they have to heat it up much more than uh, Moya, Moya can, can do internally. Yeah. Yes. But a plan is hatched. Yes, she approaches Pilot with what should initially be the backup plan, which yeah. is... I want to flood Moya's affected areas with a Jackson vapor. And then we can just give it a quick burn. You'd burn Moya? Pilot's, like, outraged. But Horrified. Yes, but he almost immediately turns around and goes like, well, okay, make the preparations, you know? Zan is convincing. She tells him this is a plan of last resort. Yeah, but we have to, like, make the preparations well in advance so that we can uh, do it if we need to. And he says that the builders placed Moya in your care. Yes. And whatever you decide, we will abide by. That's a very trusting uh, attitude. Because it turns out no other plan reveals itself. So the vapor is released. Looks really cool, by the way. Yeah, floating down the corridors. Yeah, it's yes. really, really cool. It's got that, that thick sort of mist, that, like rolling like a blanket. It's really awesome. And uh, uh, eight arms later, it has been absorbed. Everyone gathers in uh, Pilot's Den which was, oh, yeah, I also learned from the, the Creatures of Farscape book, Pilot's Den was originally built in uh, in the Fox Studios when they still were doing yeah. that in season one, and that was an unventilated, unair-conditioned room where Keanu Reeves also did his kung fu practice for oh. uh, The Matrix. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, I mean, you know, also filmed in Sydney, mm-hmm. where Stark had a role. I think oh. I've mentioned that before. Like, he played one of the agents. Oh, yes, you did, yes. But yeah, Zan promises to take as much of uh, of Moya's pain as she can. Stark offers to uh, to help. Let's help her again. Yes, Stark, who by the way is like acting all over the place again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we did finally uh, figure out like yes, he did have an ulterior motive. Like his own people were also slaves in that lot. Oh, also we learned that Stark is a stakera. Ah, is that what he, the the glowy face thing is called? Yeah, so uh, presumably. I mean, we don't know if other Bannocks do or don't have it, but he is... The tune to the dying. Oh, did you notice how Scorpius even knows him by name? Stark. Well, I mean, he did spend a lot of time in his chair, so of course he knows him by name. Yeah, okay, no, that's true. He, did. <laughs> he even asked when the lot of Bannock slaves was being delivered. Were there any Stakira amongst the other Bannock slaves? Yes. I could have used a replacement for the one that I lost. Yes. What does that mean? What was he using Stark for? I don't know. You maybe maybe tuning the chair or something like that. Because Stark actually managed to jump in and stop Rigel from giving information away to uh, yes to Scorpius. Yes. Because Scorpius has called up Moya and demanded to see uh, Dargo and John. Now that he has Jothy, he wants to make the trade immediately. Yes. However, they're both uh, out. Yeah. Uh, on mission. Uh, on, a, on their own fetch quests. Yep. Initially, it's quite scary because Stark freaks out at him and yells, you, you, you killed my people. You're never getting uh, uh, John Crichton. Well, go ahead and kill Jothy if you want, because he means nothing to me. And breaks the, uh, breaks the transmission by lifting up his helmet, like he, or, oh, you know, yes. his faceplate, he, he lifts the transmission. And everybody freaks out at him. What, what are you doing? But he assures them, no, Scorpius knows I'm insane. He's not going to harm yeah. anyone. Uh, this was just primarily to distract him. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, Scorpius has already heard from Natira 
that the metalites are consuming uh, the uh, ship. Moya. Yeah, so he knows that they will be they're in trouble. They they're going to run into a problem sooner or later because she assures him that it'll be done within uh, eight, no, no, eight, just whatever plot eight convenient days amount so, of time. Oh yeah, eight, several days, yeah. solar days or something. This is one of those episodes where just sort of squint at the details. Oh yeah, right. Okay, so and they're all within you know one or two days of transporter distance and and all the times whatever whatever. It just it's it's fine. It's somewhere in the middle episode. But yeah, with everyone gathered back on the ship, sort of contemplating this terrible disaster, this is where John decides to leave. This is where all the... Uh, Which is not shown. Yeah, he yeah, just, yeah, he slinks off off screen. And this is where the Tavlek and the Xiang and the Volcarian are arguing with each other. And it seems to all be falling apart because they can't pay them. And then in walks Rigel, who's been having his own adventure. And he sort of yes. advises all of them, hey... You're here to do a job. Start acting like professionals. <laughs> and I sort of wish, like, I know we're only getting to his bit at the very end of uh-huh. this, this episode. I kind of wish that, that the original episode had been structured that way as well. Because it's so great. He shows up at the territory of the Zenitan Pirates. Yes, Shuttle gets caught by the flax. Of course. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It was in the junkyard, and we see a Luxon assault piercer. Oh. I dreamt of serving on one as a boy. The thing that Dargo was looking for in the flax, which was apparently scheduled for being smelted down, apparently mm-hmm. it wasn't. No, I mean, it may, might not have gotten around to it yet. Because uh, there has been a change of management. Yes, he's, he's asking for Krakich, who was the uh, the original commander, but mm-hmm. he doesn't get to speak to him because Krakich has been uh, replaced. And initially we think it's this other Zenitan pirate that's, uh, that's on the screen. Hello. Right. But no. Turns out to be Durka. Another... Durka returns again. again. <laughs> Didn't I have any money on that? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, this is actually a good one. I'll, let me look it up real quick. Because in what context do you think you do you remember like making? I, a, I don't recall. I'm just wondering if I might have had. A, okay, well, I'll do it this yeah. one time. It's not a traditional way to play this game. Like, did, did did I happen to win anything? You keep a record of all the bets we're making I here. Do. I do. It is <laughs> I a don't. lot at this point, though. <laughs> no, I'm not seeing here anything okay. about Durka. I think you may be uh, thinking of that. You thought that Kreis uh, would be uh, uh, returning with right. a new organization. Yes. But yeah, Durka returns. He's uh, still wearing his uh, uh, sort of Napoleonic Nabari outfit. And rather than bringing them on board whatever ship they've got, they use the transport pod set where uh, uh, Durka sort of prances around and gloats that they were uh, little more than... than A band of ruffians uh, and that he moulded them to a more efficient fighting force. Under my direction, I have turned them and the flax into a tool for power and profit. And Rigel looks exceptionally meek. Yes. And cowed. That's how we've seen him with Durka before. He's been terrified of him. Yep. But- and Durka takes advantage of that. He jumps in. He like he bullies Rigel. Like he's done he, before. Until he finally steps in and grabs him by the throat. Gets really close and tells him, death himself oh. will... Oh, what was it? Yeah. Uh, death himself will pray for your... Yes. Uh, uh, death friend, friend. himself will pray for you. Wow. And wow. then he gets zapped by Rigel's cattle prod. Yes. <laughs> Which he had this whole time and just executes Durka and turns to the, the Zenitan second in command. I liked your proposal. Yes. <laughs> With a big grin. Yes. <laughs> this fantastic setup. This could have been a whole episode. The, the, the Durka returns again. I think it's better like this. It's so great. Just kills him. Yep. 
it was a surprise to David Wheeler as well, who played Durka, yeah. who was brought in and thought, oh, cool, I get to play this character again. Oh, maybe I'll be a returning character because, you know, last time I was on. And then he uh, saw a prop off his own head. Until he was introduced to Dave Hels- Elsie, he was like, oh, yes, now can you just, here's a breathing tube, we're going to take a life cast of your head, and then we're going to, <laughs> how do you think you look with your head separated? And he goes, what? <laughs> Oh, you haven't read the script yet. No, okay. oh, sorry Ooh, about that. Sorry, sorry. No, not going to be uh, not going to be a returning character. <laughs> because yeah, with all the the various mercenaries arguing with each other, in walks Rigel and sort of tosses Durka's severed head, head. into the mix. Let's be professional. professional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, do you want to make a bet on him returning now? Ooh, I don't think so. No, I'm not yeah, taking okay. those odds. Not taking those odds. Hey, you're a you're a sucker for suckers odds. Oh, father, we have a touch and reunion between Jothi and Dargo. Jothi, because this transport that returns, which uh, Dargo and Eren, hey, they've been spending a lot of time together. Like earlier, they were sitting around and sort of talking. Mm-hmm. Just they were just having dinner together. They've really been palling around. Yeah, but yeah, they're expecting John to come out and explain where he left in the middle of a crisis. But no, it's uh, uh, it's Jothi, who. Wow, he's been through it. Yes, although he seems to be very calm and pleasant and he's just happy to see his father and it tells him that he kept faith that uh, he would come back for yeah. him, uh, even though Dargo confesses that he himself did not expect it anymore, really. Uh, so many times he almost lost hope. Yeah. And Jothi reassures him. I, I almost lost hope. I didn't. I knew you would come for me. He is so fierce and, like, his tentacles are cut off. He doesn't have a nose plate. No. But how do you know his tentacles are cut off? You don't know. He's a, he's a hybrid. You I mean, don't that's know what how. It, oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's what it looked like. Like, they looked like raw scars. Even when Dargo sort of touches touches them, he, he hisses in, uh, in pain. Yeah. Okay, well. so how did you read it? Because I always read it, like, the broken nose, that's yeah. a ripped off nose plate. Right. That might be true. I don't know if that's a thing... Uh, Interesting. I kind of just figured he was a, uh, a hybrid, so they kind of made him look a little... They mainly did his hair thing, gave him a few dreads. Yeah, he has a much flatter face. He's, uh, yeah. I mean, he certainly doesn't have the I mean, it the, seems the unlikely that hair. they'd have a regular nose under the nose plate. I mean, that seems weird to me. I yeah. guess the nose plate is just uh, a Luxon nose. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, Jothi is just a hybrid, so he leans more towards a Sebastian than towards uh, Luxon. Oh, there was And, a- of course, he's also not fully grown yet because he's got a little bit of wispy little moustache starting to form on his... <laughs> yeah. Hey, how old do we think he is? Oh, hard to tell. Because Dargo's only 30 cycles. Right, and, but he, and he's quite a bit smaller than Dargo. Yeah. Um... Now, I mean, also, how, I mean, okay. So Dargo's been on was on Moya for five cycles, or was that Zan? Eight degrading cycles. I have spent eight degrading cycles aboard this ship. Right. Yes. So he's at least eight. Yeah. But uh, we don't know 30, what preceded that. Yeah. Well, okay. No, you might be right. Maybe he's eight. No, I mean, because it, he was already a a kid. Oh, you're right. You're right. In, yeah. in uh, they have got a secret. He's got a hologram yeah. yes. of his wife Lolan holding something more substantial than a baby. Right. Yes. Although we don't know at which rate they grow. Okay, so it's at least eight years plus. Let's say they were five. That would make him thirteen. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say like yeah, I'd give him about fifteen-ish or so. Although he's he's very calm and collected. Also, when he's talking to Scorpius and very sort of 
receptive, yeah. almost. Like he's, you can see in his eyes that he's listening. I mean, and he starts by the by talking to Scorpius, saying like, you bought 10,000 slaves just to get me? Yeah. He's like... <laughs> he's really confused. He's a fascinating character. But yet, like, I don't think he's older than Dargo was when he fathered Trothy. Probably, probably right? not. No, oh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, because uh, at 15, he'd yeah. be half Dargo's yes. age. Oh, interesting I mean, question, yeah. It's just now occurring to me, and it, it, it never did before, because this you see this actor, like, that is that is a 20-something actor playing a teenager, yes, right? That, absolutely. That's the, yeah. that's the kind of look that we're going for. Yeah. There's none of the uh, the usual sort of pubescent gangliness that no. actual teenage boys are known for. I'm also wondering how that exchange went, you know, that how... Okay, so John flies the transport pod there, yeah. talks to Scorpius, who actually honours his agreement without actually talking to John first, so... He must have... I mean, how did that exchange go? It happens off-screen, but let's sort of imagine how we do it. I guess John shows up in his transport pod Mm. holding a gun to his head. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Like, you know, like, bring him over, I'll shoot myself. Exactly. I mean... That that would be the way to do it. If he if he's bringing himself into the lion's den, so to speak, yeah, he's clearly not expecting to survive. He maybe has some hope, as he says to Scorpius, like you you pointed out. You want the wormhole technology? I want your implant out of my head. But then he doesn't see Scorpius until after Jothi's already left. Uh, so there's like yes, it's a bit of a weird exchange. I mean, I'm just like trying to figure out how that exchange would have gone. And apparently, you need to do a lot of hand waving with this, no, uh, yeah. this episode to sort of to sort of make it all work out. But yeah, I think we've covered all the bases. So let's get into the willies and woodies because I think this is going to be pretty challenging. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Oh, yes. Oh, let me think. I didn't have... I haven't got given that a thought of that. Okay. It's, this is the hardest episode to do that for because there are so many bits that I love. I mean, I could cop out for my willy to say the, the fact that the module actually makes the sound of a jet airline when it's moving <laughs> through space. But, you know, that's... <laughs> that's very you, though. <laughs> I know. I would accept that one. Let's see. Willie, oh, I guess, no, no, definitely this, the scene where Moya gets burned. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. When, you see the, when the fire moving through the corridors and it, li- later on when John returns and he actually can see that she's burning from the outside. Yeah. That's like, oh, God, yeah, that's definitely my Willie. <laughs> the sort of terror and the screaming and the, oh, the, yeah. the horror of having to go through that. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like a, a, a painful medical procedure, I suppose, at this point. Like, we have to burn the wound. I mean, you get that one. Like, you know, when someone takes a red-hot poker to, like, stick it in a, in a wound that they have to... Yeah, like, oh, to suit... Uh, uh, Cauterise. Cauterise it, yeah. It's literally well, something like hey, that, except on a bigger scale. Since we've all been sort of running around, why didn't they send another transport pod out to get some of that lovely chlorium from the planet with the, the, the space radio shack? Oh, yes. That's probably also, like, just a, around the corner at this point. They kind of has to be, yes. They could have met Linnea again, and uh, <laughs> it's just on Lux. Yes. Oh, all right. Yeah, very good point. But, yeah. Well... I mean, they had eight arms for it, so... I'm struggling to find a way... God, I can't say this out loud. We should have named it something else. <laughs> okay, Woody's are, are actually even harder. Okay. Because one thing we didn't talk about, while Crichton is revealing his plan, we get a montage. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, we get clip show. It's a clip show right. montage from season one, all the greatest hits. It's so great. Oh, yeah. Crichton talks to Harvey. We haven't even talked about that at all. 
uh, who's Harvey again? The neural clone. That's what he called the Scorpius uh, oh, yes. vision in his when he's, head. When he's sitting in his uh, transport pod coming back or going towards... In his towards... module, g- going to get Bakesh. Yes. Like, he summons this neural clone, which, uh, which Harvey says, you shouldn't be able to do that. Yes, that's peculiar. Or, uh, and he says, like, we're sharing now. And that's how I'm going to beat you. And then he goes, like, well, maybe that's what I want you to think, which sounds like a cheap-ass routine, which is just put in yeah, there, right? too. Yeah, Because after first said you shouldn't be able to do that, and then when John gloats about that, he goes, like, oh, maybe I'm just, like, making you think that. And it's like, that seems like, yeah. Yeah, it's too, it's too late. Yeah, that seems like a caged response or a standard Scorpius response. Yeah, yeah. Which is programmed in there, too. Oh, like, you think he has, like, pre-recorded just canned phrases that he can summon? Pretty much, yeah. It's a neural uh, thing, which is living uh, rent-free in John's head. Oh, that's a horrible use of that uh, (laughs) that phrase. Um, Oh, let me see what else. Oh, there's the vegetation on the the Tavlek-occupied planet, reminding us of Thrown for a Loss, where Mm -hmm. it was filmed on a planet where all the vegetation had been digitally coloured green. That was a great callback. All these callbacks were so, so great. I guess maybe my willy would have to go to John manipulating a person with addiction into oh. succumbing to the addiction again. I think that's the... It's a little bit of a scummy thing to do, but... Okay, Woody's. Dargo's oh. performance throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sex scene. Oh, yes. Right? Where are we going to... I mean, Chana Spafkanen. <laughs> this is just—it's wall-to-wall Woody's in this episode. Yeah. Every single scene is so great. I'm scrubbing through the jeeps. There's there is nothing that I don't love. It is such a stunningly uh, a satisfying episode. Yeah, it does. Like it does not suffer from middle episode syndrome. That's right. Okay. Well, hey, let's analyze that. What is middle episode syndrome? It's kind of keeping the story rolling uh, when you know that there's not going to be a resolution at the end of this episode doesn't it do that no i would say not i mean it it's because here's the thing all of the plots that are resolved in this episode are also introduced in this episode yes right the recruitments the metalites and the fire oh actually no huh the plot of uh the son yes uh, uh, Card- Card- Cardargo's son, of yes. course. I mean, that one's resolved yep. because he now finally has a son. The Metalites plot is resolved. And we have the plot of gathering the uh, the misfits. Yeah. That is, okay, that's set up as we're going to do that to try and uh, rescue Jothi. Uh-huh. But I, okay, uh, my prediction is that this is now going to be used to go and rescue John. I'll take that bet. How How many points? 50. 50? Yeah. All right, on the board. I feel like a bookie. Yeah, well, you are. <laughs> so that's my prediction for uh, part three of uh, Liars, Liars Guns and, and uh, Machinations. I always forget what the M stands for. Money. Money, that's the Money, one. baby. But there's no money. There is no money. Why is all the money gone? Our money's alive. We don't have a... We haven't settled on any on a Woody. There's just too many. Well, I think we've covered the Woodies. Uh, I mean, we haven't, like, settled on any single one, but, I mean, we have nominated many. No, we can't... We've got to have favourites. We've got to play favourites. Okay. Rigel killing Durka. Just coming out of nowhere. You, what you think could be a whole setup for a, for, for yeah. a whole new episode. And he just straight up kills him. They bring back this guest actor, this unexpected callback to season one. In an episode full of callback to season one. And then they're just like they immediately just off him. him. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Rigel finally gets his proper comeuppance. And, uh, his, yeah, he gets his, re- Rigel's revenge. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean... 
I would say the sex scene, except that like that's at least half Willy and half Woody. So, <laughs> in my experience, that is most sex scenes. <laughs> so, uh, mine, my, mine, my, my Woody definitely goes to Chana Spafkan. <laughs> you are, you are incorrigible, and and I heartily encourage you to uh, to continue. And that's the story so far, Escape. Join us next week with episode 221, uh, Liars, Guns and Money, Part 3. Plan B is what it's called. See, there we (laughs) go. Um, With amends like these, who needs frenemies? Third time's a charm. (laughs) I really struggled with that one. They were really great synopses, but gotta gotta keep them separated. We'll see about those next week. Uh, you can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We're posting Jeeves there every week. Uh, also, Jeeves packs and fan fiction readings uh, on our Patreon for anyone who wants to chip in. Starts at a dollar a month. Uh, everyone gets the same. We appreciate all of you so, so much. We're actually like, we're going to have to go shopping uh, pretty soon because we promised that if there was anything left over, we're just going to see if we can get some absolute nonsense and it is it is about time that we start oh i'm excited to see what you can come up with uh, uh, to spend on farscape i was going to say farscape fun bucks no these are these I are know, for real, real fun bucks far, far, farscape hey, so farscape fan bucks there we go yeah if you want to chip in, that's at sofarscape.com slash support. And if you want to send us in one of your fantastic, clever synopses where you can stump K with uh, a description of a future episode, that's sofarscape.com slash submit. Yes, thank you all for your generosity, and we hope to hear from you. You're absolutely amazing. I'm Kaki. I'm K. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.